Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Let's get into the word of God. Luke chapter 10. Uh, I'll read from verse 25. Luke chapter 10 from verse 25. Luke chapter 10 from verse 25. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, We're discussing this morning what I titled the parable of a good Lagosian. The parable of a good Lagosian. That's what we're discussing this morning. As we round off, uh, the three-part series on Stronger Together. The parable of a good Lagosian. The last message in the series of Stronger Together. Let's go back to Luke. Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 10. Can you put it back for me, please, quickly? Praise God. Luke, chapter 10, from verse 25. Okay. Bible says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So, from before I read any further, I want to point out a few things. One, it was a lawyer that stood up to, and is, uh, um, the reason why he stood up to talk was not because he wanted to learn, he wanted to test him, he wanted to test Jesus. And he happened to be a lawyer which means he had a very good knowledge of the law. So when a lawyer is asking a non-lawyer about the law, you know there's an issue. Yeah, there's an issue. Can you, can you please put, put, put that back for me? And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? At least you're learned, you're a lawyer. What is written in your law and what is your knowledge of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will leave. I thought this would be the final answer. Because what he gave Jesus, Jesus concurred. This is what is written in the law then. And then the man decided again to ask another question. Because he, he was testing him. Yeah, He wanted Jesus to make a mistake. So that he can pounce on him and um, shred him. Alright. So verse 29. But he, he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, Jesus decided to answer him with a parable. Yeah. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. That's the first attitude. That was the first differentiating factor. 
between the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. He had compassion on him. So he went to him, bandaged him, bandaged his wound, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his animal, put him in his car. The animal was the car of those days. Put him in his car, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to them, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? He said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Can you hear me tell your neighbor what Jesus said? Tell your neighbor, say, go. Praise God. I said, praise the Lord. Now, in the, day that Jesus, the days that Jesus lived, the Pharisees, uh, the lawyers, and the, you know, the scribes, all of them always, you know, they came to him to ask him a few questions because they wanted to put him into trouble. They just wanted to discredit him. So this was the mindset from which this conversation here ensued. How do you gain eternal life? How do I gain eternal life? How do I keep a relationship with God? How will eternal life be guaranteed for me? How do you gain eternal life? Love God, love your neighbor. Jesus said, this is what has been written in your law. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. The Bible says, on this rest all the, the, uh, uh, the law and the, the, the prophets, just those two, all the Ten Commandments, all the, 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 the prophetic writings in the Bible, the books of the Bible written by the prophets, invariably, the entire Old Testament rests on love God, love your neighbor. If you read, read through the entire Ten Commandments, you will see that if you love your neighbor, you will not covet your neighbor's property. If you love your neighbor, <clears throat> you will not steal from your neighbor. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. If you love your neighbor, you, you won't sleep with your neighbor's spouse. Am I saying the truth? I can go on and on and on. That's why the Bible says, upon this rest the law and the prophet. The entire Old Testament is fulfilled when I fulfill the first law. Yeah. He asked Jesus, which is the most important of the commandment, which is the one commandment. He said, the first one. Yeah. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Upon this rest, the entire Old Testament, this is what it's all about. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. So loving your neighbor is as weighty a commandment as loving God. Loving your neighbor is as weighty a commandment as loving God. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, when you read from verse 20 and 21, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, it says, if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. I mean, very strong words there. Very strong words. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? The Bible says, you are a liar 
when you claim to be a Christian, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, a lover of God, but you are not a lover of human beings. The basis of your love for God is thwarted. Because you cannot claim to love God that you cannot see when you don't love man that you can see. Every human being is an extension of God. Somebody say with me this morning. So it's extremely important that we have this at the back of our mind. Not loving your neighbor reduces your chance of inheriting eternal life. That's what Jesus said. Because he said, how can I gain eternal life? Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. So, you know, when you live in a place like our own nation here, I mean, look at what we're talking about the other time, about mindless killings. If anyone killed a person for God, the God of the New Testament is not the God that you're killing people for. Yeah. (laughs) Are you still with me this morning? Because the God of the New Testament... It's the God that says every human is an extension of me. What you hold them is love. So from people who live around you to people you work with to your family members to church members to friends, what we hold people is love according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. So let's go a little further. Some things happen by chance, others happen by choice. In the parable that Jesus told this man that came to him, Jesus emphasized the fact that the love that we're talking about is a love, the love of community that makes us stronger together has to be absolutely intentional. It has to be intentional. It's not the kind of love that you just flow into. Or that just happens. No. It has to be intentional. Some things happen by chance. Other things happen by choice. Let me explain what I'm talking about. In the parable of the good Lagosian. <laughs> if I can put it that way. In the parable of the good Lagosian. Which we call the parable of the good Samaritan. A Jewish guy was going out of Jerusalem. He was on the highway from Jerusalem to Jericho. I mean, in, in our own country, you say one is a state road, the other one is a federal highway. Yeah. The guy was finally on a, <laughs> maybe it was a state road, the road linking Jerusalem to Jericho. Was a Jewish guy. A priest who is supposed to be someone who has been charged with the responsibility of connecting people with God was coming. Now, what happened to the man happened by chance. Because the Bible says he walked into the robbers by chance. Sometimes in life, people are not where they are by choice. It's not all the time. When it comes to helping people, we are too quick to judge them that they got to where they are by their own choices, by the things, the choices they made, you know, and all that. Sometimes people get into trouble by chance. That's the time that God wants us to provide solution by choice. Are you still with me this morning? Yeah, by choice. When somebody suffers a calamity, when there's a crisis, 
It happened by chance. We provide solution by choice. Intentionally. Intentionally. That's what Jesus was teaching in this parable. Because that's how you know if you're a good neighbor. You are intentional about how you deal with people. Extremely intentional about how you deal with people. Intentional about how you deal with people. So, the robbery happened by chance. The response of the three men were by choice. Yeah. The robbery happened by chance. The response of the three men. The priest who has been charged with the responsibility of connecting people with God. The Levites, which invariably, if you put it in the New Testament context, is a Christian, somebody who goes to church, who is religious. Because the Levites in the Old Testament read Numbers chapter 3 and Numbers chapter uh, 4, you see they were charged with the responsibility of doing stuff in the temple. They prepared the, 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 the cereal of offerings, like the grain offering, you know, and all that. that. That was their job. They were in charge of all those things, taking care of the temple. And if you're born a Levite, one of the tribes, 12 tribes in Israel, you, your work is to serve in the temple. So these were people who dealt with the things of God consistently. Whether the priests who went into the Holy of Holies, you know, consistently on behalf of people, you know, bringing sacrifices before God, who was to atone for the sins of the people before God, who was the mediator between God and man, who was supposed to have empathy for people because his work is about people. Or the Levite who is supposed to be a religious person or somebody who is in, in the service of the temple. But they didn't leave it out. It looked like head knowledge or duties that were paid for or something like that. Not the life that we're living. Because some people are dutiful Christians. But they don't live like Christians. But we take up duties as Christians. But we don't live like Christians. And we can't be stronger together until we start to embrace the power in community. How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. That's what the scripture says. Psalm 133, that's what we started from about four weeks ago. How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. Said it's like the oil that is poured upon the head of Aaron that goes down to his, his bed, down his skirt, you know, and all that. Said there, God commands his blessings, life evermore. There's, there's a blessing in connectivity. There's a blessing in recognizing that God wants me to stay connected with other humans and, and love them. That's how we become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Say amen, somebody. So, calamity may happen by chance, but interventions happen by choice. Calamity may happen by chance, interventions happen by choice. Interventions happen by choice. Interventions happen by choice. What are the choices you're making? What are the choices you've made recently that can lead to intervention? Are you leaving everything to chance? Or are you rationalizing that everything that people around you are going through was their choice? You must be a good neighbor by choice, not by chance. Yeah. According to Jesus, we have to decide to be a good neighbor by choice, not by chance. It's not going to happen by chance. It has to be intentional. 
We have to decide, this is who I want to be. This is how I want to live. And it has to be intentional. It's by choice. It's by choice. The priest came, saw the man, made his choice to cross to the other side and walked away. The Levite came, saw the man, made his choice to cross to the other side and walked away. The Samaritan came, made a choice to stay with the man, bandaged his wound, took him to the hospital, paid his hospital bills, and came back the following day to say, I want to pay up the bills, and anytime I pass this place, if he incurred any other bill, I'm going to settle it. Now, when Jesus was asked the question, who is my neighbor, was a very loaded question. I need to break this down a little bit more. John chapter 4, when you read verse 9, Jesus had an encounter with the woman at the well. And at that encounter with the woman at the well, we, 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 we were given an understanding of the kind of relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. So verse 9 of John chapter 4, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I shouldn't go more than that. That one verse is okay. Yeah. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. They, they treated them with disdain. Yeah. And set a good boundary. So just being at the well, meeting somebody at the bus station, meeting somebody at the bus stop, or, you know, just being at the well, at, you know, the, 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 at the restaurant or fast food joint or something, and a casual conversation will not ensue between a Jew and a Samaritan in the day that Jesus lived. So just Jesus trying to talk to this woman, give me water, and the woman was like, this is strange. What do you want? Because this is not the, the, the usual. You're not supposed to be talking to me. I'm not supposed to be talking to you. We know that Jews and Samaritans don't talk. Yeah. We live in a country where we have some Jews and Samaritans. Yeah. We live in an environment where you can, you can, you can live in a, in a greatest estate. And within the estate, you have Jews and Samaritans. Yeah. People who don't talk to each other. Yeah. Jesus demonstrated to us in John chapter 4, verse 9 here, that we, if we're going to be true truly devoted followers of Jesus Christ were supposed to be barrier breakers. We're supposed to break the divide or walk across the divide a lot of the time to reach out. Yeah. Not to say these type of people and that, those type of people, they don't connect. Because sometimes we even bring that into the church. Yeah. Rich people and poor people. Where's the meeting point? How can me, me, you don't know me? With all my accolades. <laughs> uh, that's like a social media meme that's been going on for a while. And because I'm active on social media, I see all these things. You know, some young men, young women have been doing stuff. So, Man, I deserve some accolades. <laughs> And you, you, you know, I laughed last Sunday. Uh, um, I tweeted some stuff about last Sunday's service, just thanking uh, Pastor Nat and all that. And, you know, some, some guy was, 
on the other hand, commenting on my tweets and say, oh, the church looks beautiful, wonderful service. Pastor, you deserve some accolade. I had a good laugh. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's how we behave sometimes. You, you, you feel like, I deserve some accolade. You know, I, I, um, I'm doing fantastically well. You, you're not supposed to be talking to me. Who are you to be talking to me? You know, uh-huh. or based on pedigree, you know, we come to church like this. I mean, it can be bad sometimes, especially, you know, I was saying this at the workers' meeting the other time. Let me address the millennials. Millennials, we have been told that you have a sense of entitlement. Yeah. Any millennial that will watch this on TV, I'm talking to you too. Yeah, and the ones here. We've been told that you have some sense of entitlement. Something happened, I mean, some things happened here that really bothered me. When a young man or a young lady, you know, comes into a church like this, and you come in with a sense of entitlement. Some people are supposed to arrange the chair before I, I, I came in, before, before coming in here. Some people are supposed to make sure that uh, 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 I don't have to spend so much time in traffic. Yeah. Now, the, the question is this. Because of what? <laughs> and the people who are doing all that, by the way, you need to understand they're volunteers like yourself. Yeah. In a church like this, any, any charitable organization, you know, tribe on volunteers. If we're going to spend money to do everything that we're doing, we won't have anything to do the charitable work itself. Yeah. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Because some people come and say, uh, 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 somebody said, I, I know sometimes somebody may speak to you in a way that you don't like, and we apologize when you experience that. But to say somebody says, I should sit here, and you don't know me, why should I sit there? This is where I want to sit. Yeah. Or park there. No, no, I can't park there. This car is too big for that space. It's this space. Don't you see the size of the car, the size of the owner? <laughs> you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. A terrible thing happened once here, which I'm not proud of to say, but I'm going to say it all the same, that a young lady came to this church. I don't know who she is. One of our protocol officers, a young man, a middle-aged man, was talking to her and trying to just tell her it was a big service. I think it was what night or something. Say, you, you, the auditorium is full. We have overflows and all that. And she said, no, I have a seat inside. He said, the seats, after 8 p.m., will give everything out. So even if you had a seat inside that somebody has kept for you, we have given everything out. And I'm sorry, madam, you. Young lady, millennia. Yeah. You know what she did? She slapped the guy. I cringed when I heard. She slapped the guy and walked away and walked home and just left the church because they said, go to the overflow. How bad can it get? That's why I'm talking like the way I'm talking this morning so that the millennials can hear because I know people in my age bracket will not do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when you have that kind of sense of entitlement, Everybody is out there to serve you. Even God doesn't think like that. <laughs> yeah. I hope somebody's following me this morning. That's what is creating the kind of country we have today. You don't have to kill people for you to have a living. 
We need to respect, you know, what they call the sanctity of life. Life, 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 life. Every human being is an extension of God. And what makes a nation is our togetherness. What makes an organization is that we can all do stuff together and respect one another. So we have to be good neighbors by choice and not by chance. So, who is a neighbor? What defines a neighbor is not where you live or who you are, but what you do. What you do. It's beyond ethnicity. You can have a best friend that doesn't speak your, your, your mother tongue. Yeah. It's beyond ethnicity. It's beyond it, 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 where you live or what you do. It's just a choice that you have made. The Samaritan was a neighbor because of his heart, not his nationality. Yeah. Because of his heart, not his pedigree. Because of his heart, not because he lived in Jerusalem. So the intentional, intentional part of building community is an essential trait of Christ followers. You want to really be a Christ follower. You want to be a Christian. Building community, intentionally building great communities is part, is a trait of a Christian. That's practical Christianity. Being intentional about building community, uh, connecting with people. That's a trait of a Christ follower. It's not just a good thing. It's who we are. That you greet people well. As simple as that may sound. That you smile at people when you come to church, despite what you are going through. All of us are going through stuff. Yeah. That you smile when you get to work tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That you are courteous to the gate men as you drive back home. For those of us who live in gated estates. Yeah. That you smile at them. That you are courteous. That you. You know the things that sometimes the things we teach our children, we don't do them. Say thank you. Thank you. You are welcome. All those things. We, we study them to say it, but we don't do it. Yeah. Somebody gave your daughter some money. Say, say thank you now. Meanwhile, somebody gave you the right of way in traffic. And you just zoom. What happened to just saying thank you? Because that's, that's how we build a community where people respect each other. That's what makes us Christians. That's how to be Christians. That's all I'm saying this morning. We, we have to be stronger together and not be pulling ourselves apart. And it starts from the household of faith. It starts from here. So when a community works, we will not lack neighbors. Yeah, when a community works, we will not lack neighbors. We will not lack help. My wife gave uh, an example about a community working when, uh, many years ago, when, she, in fact, she was still single then, uh, maybe about 18 years ago or so, um, we were, I was pastoring at Daystar Christian Center, and she was a church member there. That was where I found her, actually. Yeah. It's, um, it's just one of the blessings of being a pastor, you know. Um, and she, she, was, she was a choir member. I would have been shocked if, they don't, if I didn't hear anything from that side. So, 
she, she gave this, um, she told me this story about how she went for choir, choir practice or something one day or mid, midweek service or something. And there was this lady, no, it was choir practice, and this lady was giving like a testimony that, oh, last week, you know, I, I was coming to church. I had the last amount of money on me, maybe 200 naira, and um, I, I gave somebody some money, and then I had just the amount of money that would take me to church. And I thought my fiancé was coming to church. So we'll meet in church, and then my fiancé will give me money, or I will eat a ride with him home and all that. And the fiancé didn't show up. So after the service, she was stranded. And while she was still thinking, what's going to happen and all that, another choir member just showed up and said, hey, hi, what's up? I've been looking around for you since the service ended. Uh, this morning, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said I should give you 250 naira. I've been carrying it around, and I don't want to spend it. In fact, I've spent 50 naira out of it. Just take the remaining 200. And the girl walked away, and she stood there speechless. Speechless. If God wants to bless you, it's easier for God to just reach out to your community where he has set you. The Bible says he put the solitary in family. Yeah. They that are planted in the house of God will flourish in the courts of our God. That's what the scripture says. Yeah. Right there where he has planted you. And while she said that, she, my wife now said, what really taught her the most was not even just that testimony. That a sister amongst them in the choir then stood up. The sister is still our friend today. She lives in the U.S. now. Very wonderful lady. She stood up. And said, in your life, don't ever put yourself in that kind of situation again. As in, not that you shouldn't come to church without money. That if you have a situation where you are broke, we are all here. You didn't tell us anything. Is it a shame factor or what? I haven't, I mean, I've been broke before. So you should have mentioned it. What about if that other lady couldn't make it to church too? That's why the fact that the Holy Spirit has put in her heart. Are you going to walk home since we are all here? And you could have said, I need transport fare. And we will sort you out. And then she said, the lady turned to everybody, all of you here. Any day you are broke, I'm here. Yeah. If you are ever broke, know that I'm here. And I'm challenging you, you must not trek home from church. I will, I will give you money. That's a community. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. We understand that the shame factor is there. We understand some people have been disappointed before. We understand where some people are coming from. Some people are hesitant about talking to people about their needs. You don't want them to use it against you when the goings are not right. But, recognize one thing. God does not delight in sending angels when there are human beings here. Yeah. So, you need to swallow your pride sometimes. And ask God, who should I talk to? Yeah. Who should I? If you can't trust anybody, you're a bad person. Simple. Yeah. That's what it means. It means you're a bad person yourself. Because it's difficult to be in a community and there's nobody you can trust. God is always looking for people to use within your circle of influence. So, my instruction this morning is don't be isolated. With the right community, you can be lucky every day. Yeah, you can be lucky every day. You can be lucky every day. 
with the right community, you can be lucky. You see, people ask a question. Um, you know, some people say, I, I was just lucky. So we, we leave luck to the realm of chance. You don't know that you can be intentionally lucky. You can put yourself in a situation where you can be lucky every day. I love to be lucky all the time. Yeah. Luck should not be only a matter of probability. It can be intentional. When I put myself in the right community, I am saying that I want to be lucky every day. Because if anything happens to me, there are some people who will always come to my rescue. <laughs> it reminds me of a conversation that ensued between me and my daughter once, where my daughter all of a sudden on a Saturday morning, I don't know what kind of dream she had or what happened, just walked into our room and asked me, Dad, are we rich? And I, I, I was dumbfounded. I didn't know how to answer. Because in that kind of situation, anything you say will be held against you. Yeah. If I say we are rich, and she says, I want an iPhone. Or I want a car or something. You know, if I say we are not rich, and he says, so, you know, I, I don't know what to say. But while I was still thinking about it, my wife just blotted out. My wife said, young lady, we are rich, but we are rich in people. Not necessarily money. Yeah. You need to be able to say it. That I'm rich. But it's not just about money. I'm rich in people. Yeah, I'm rich in people. Remember what happened in Mark chapter 2. The paralytic man. I'm going to round off on that. Paralytic man. Who was impotent in his faith. And, you know, was bedridden. And he had four people. Four friends. This guy may not be rich as in having money to pay hospital bills or buy drugs, but he was rich in people. He had four guys who carried him to Jesus. The house was packed out. The compound was packed out. There was no way to reach Jesus. They were willing to stake the money that they have not earned and willing to be arrested by uncovering somebody's roof. They didn't care whether the man had insurance on his house or not. <laughs> they were willing. How many people can be willing to step out like that for you? If you're reaching people, that can happen for you. Yeah. But you see in John chapter 5, we see the story of another man. Another man, the Bible says, he had an infirmity 38 years. Read John chapter 5 from verse 1. From verse 1 of John chapter 5 down to, I think, verse 5 or so. He had an infirmity 38 years. Yeah, the Bible says after this was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now in, in Jerusalem by the ship gate, a, uh, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda. Having five porches. In that place laid a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, para- paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stared up the water. Then whoever steps in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been there in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Look at what the man said. Uh, verse 7. The sick man answered and said, I have no man. I have no man. I have no man. Very poor in men. I have no man. To put me into the pool when the water is stirred. 
But while I was coming, another steps in. You know what? The Bible says the place was filled with multitude of people who had all kinds of infirmity. If only we organize, even amongst people with infirmities, miracles can happen. Because all we need to do in that kind of place is somebody was blind. Yeah? Somebody was deaf. The blind and the deaf can carry the impotent man. If we have a queue and we're well organized. And we form a community that you know what? Who has the greatest problem here? Yeah, you go first. Yeah. And then after you, this one will go. And when you have gotten your miracle, you will wait behind. The moment the angel is done, now that you are, you will carry the next person. Throw. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. <laughs> I was just meditating on that, and the Holy Spirit was showing me that, that this, if this community, even though it was a community of people with infirmities, and that's what we have today, we all have our infirmities. But if you can decide to walk in love with each other, and empathize with each other, and say, you can go, I'll follow. One thing is certain, the angels will, angel will come periodically. I'm willing to wait for my turn. But when you have been healed, then hang around. Because when the angel comes, I can walk, you need to take me here. Now that you can see, you know the direction of the pool. Or oh, as you are carrying me, self, even if it's not your turn, a blind man can carry an impotent man who can see and say, just go left, go left. You know, until we get to the pool, you are throw me. And then I come out and I'm okay and I say, I'm going to wait for you. The next time the angel comes, I will hold your hand. Since you cannot see, I will walk you into the pool. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. And that's, that's what should happen in real life. Glory be to Jesus. But the man said, I have no man. He was not willing to connect. Everybody focused on their problem. Yeah. Not willing to... 38 years in the same situation. That will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. So, be a good neighbor. Touch other people's hearts. Live by the law of love. Love God and love man. That's what the scripture says. Be accountable. Be accountable. Be accountable. You can't be in a church like this and not accountable to anybody. You are a free spirit. Yeah. You come in when you like, you go when you like. I don't want to meet anybody. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to connect with anyone. Some people do it in family. They do it in church. They do it at work. You are the only person that doesn't talk to anybody. But you speak in tongues to talk to God. Yeah? And some of those people, angels are knocking them as they speak in tongues. Say, stop talking. Stop. Go and talk to people. Yeah? As if it's only God that exists in this world. And one way, God is a majority. (laughs) When the Bible says, if God be for us, tell me who can be against us. No, if God be for me. If God be for us. 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 God wants to reach out to us in communities. Not just individually. So be accountable. Accountability and love are values that make a community work. Yeah. Be accountable at home. I said in the first message of the series, some people in this church are disconnected from their natural families. They get into trouble. I mean, we've had situations where we, we, a church member is in the hospital 
And all the people that are showing up are from this church. No family member. Somebody goes into a police case or EFCC case, and then we show up. And then three days, only our legal aid people are showing up. No family member. Okay, don't you have family? Eh, 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 they will not tell stories. Somebody did this to me. I just cut off from all of them. You are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. A Christian is a bridge builder. There has to be at least one or two people in the family that you still trust, that you can connect with. Let's assume that your family is evil. We can't rule that out. But there still has to be one or two people. That's the kind of community we want us to embrace. Be vulnerable. Because if you are not vulnerable, you will, you will not be able to make connections. Yeah. Accountability, vulnerability, extremely important. Extremely important. Extremely important. Extremely important. People, let's look within and stop the packaging. Yeah. You know, in a church like this, everybody looks good and everybody loves to look good. Yeah. But there has to be who you can be vulnerable with to say, ah, see this suit. I know it's looking nice, so, but it's just 50% I paid. Because, um, and I, 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 I bought it when I had a job. Now I don't have a job. They want to take the suit from me. Brother, I cannot be naked. You know, you have to be able to talk like that. But some people, until they naked you. <laughs> and you now say, hey, hey, but you should be you attend the church. Should be you did it there. What about your church people? It's not church people you talk to that will help. And then some people just walk out of church, like, you know, like that. Some people say in this church, for instance, oh, because we have a process in place, you know, for benevolence and care, this thing, and I don't, I don't, you know, how, how bad can it get? You want to come to a church and just say, I need house rent, or you are paid. Yeah, that's what some people want. They don't want us to ask them any question. What do you do? How did you get into this situation? What can we do to make sure that you don't remain in this kind of situation? Can I tell you something? A church is positioned to help people. But we help strategically, sustainably. We don't want to raise indolent people. We want to raise people who will be good citizens. Yeah. We want to make greatness common. That's not going to be done anyhow. We have to be strategic about it. That's why we put processes in place. We want to help you out of a situation, not help you to remain in that situation. There's a difference between being needy and being in need. Some people are just needy. Yeah. People can be in need, but you can't afford to be a needy person. Who is just content to be like that? You become everybody's project. Yeah. That's not a good way to live. We don't want people to live like that. That's why we have to hold you accountable. Ask you the right questions. And so people get themselves into a, I mean, get into a situation and you want somebody to solve it overnight. The problem did not start yesterday, but you want the to, so, so, solution tomorrow. And that's why people say, I can't be vulnerable. They, they, so, they will ask me too many questions. Or this person will laugh at me. Let's wake up. 
a community cannot work without accountability and vulnerability. Whether in church, at home, among friends, we have to be. And lastly, the communal. The communal. There's strength and power when we come together to do good. Yeah, when we come together to do good. When you hear in your connect group, when you hear amongst your friends, even outside of this church, somebody's in trouble, be communal. Be a part of it. Yeah, be a part of it. Be a part of it. Because of my busy, busy schedule, I don't think I've attended my old boys association meeting more than once in the last maybe two years or so. But anytime I get an email in our, you know, the communal email that we have, somebody is in trouble, somebody just lost a job, or we want to do a project, I told them, you may not see me, but you'll see my hand. Yeah. Because I have commitments. I show up when it's necessary, but when it comes to sorting something out, you'll see my hand. You'll see. Yeah. You have to be communal. That's what life is all about. That's what life is all about. Our friends that we went to secondary school together, who got into you know, bad situations like the, the man who was among thieves. Yeah. I had a friend who had to go to jail. When he came out of jail, we, we contributed money and sorted him out. Got him, I've not seen him in over 25 years or maybe 30 years. Yeah. You don't have to see him. He just said, who is your neighbor? The neighbor is the one that represents like this, the way we put it in this part of the world. It's not about, you know, whether you see them or not. Who wants to be a good neighbor this morning? Lift your two hands to Jesus and just tell him, Lord, give me grace to be a good neighbor. Grace to be intentional. To be intentional. To play my part in every community where you will plant me and where you have planted me. Starting from my family and then this spiritual family, the Elevation Church. Yeah. Starting from my family and this, this spiritual family. I want to be able to play my part. I want to be able to play my part. I want to be able to play my part. Whatever the Holy Spirit may have stirred in your heart this morning as you listen to this message, can you pray about it in two minutes? If you need to repent, will you repent this morning? If you need to mend, mend you know, the bridge with somebody and you know, make something work, will you do that this morning? If you need to change your mind about how you approach your community, whether at home, in church, at work, will you, will you ask for grace this morning? Will you ask for grace this morning? There are certain miracles, certain things that God, interventions that God may never be able to do in our lives until we respect the need for community. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you and we praise you. Somebody who needs healing this morning, will you just ask God for healing? And I mean healing in relationships right now. Or maybe healing in your body. Will you ask God for it right now? Ask God for it right now. If it's healing in your body, will you place your hand where the pain is and just trust God this morning? If it's healing in your relationship, will you place your hand on your heart and just ask God this morning, truly, I want to love. I want to be in a community. But, but, but I'm hurt. I'm going through pain emotionally. And I need healing this morning. Will you talk to God about it right now? Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. Will you talk to God about it? Lord, we receive healing here this morning. Healing in the body, healing in the mind, healing in the emotion. Right now, right now. Where the word of the king is, there is power. We have taught your word here this morning. Confirm your word with signs following. 
Let your healing power flow over this congregation right now. Let your healing power flow over this congregation right now. Let your healing power flow over this congregation right now, right now, right now. In the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. We receive healing in our hearts. We receive healing in our bodies. In the name of Jesus. We command every symptom to stop in the name of Jesus. We command pain. Go in the name of Jesus. We receive grace to forgive. Grace to reconnect. Grace to reunite. We thank you, our Father. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Wave your hands to him all over this place and just bless him. Father, we thank you. We thank you. As we go, we receive grace to practice that which we have discussed this morning. That we may be doers and not hearers alone. Make us salt and light in the communities where you have planted us. In our offices. With our partners in business. Give us grace for empathy. Give us grace for compassion. Make us a good Lagosian. We thank you, Father. And we bless you.